Volume Three, Chapter Three of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwen Wynn, A Romance of the Why by main read volume three chapter three reasoning by analysis captain ryecroft's start at seeing a woman within the pavilion was less from surprise than an emotion due to memory when he last saw his betrothed alive it was in that same place and almost in a similar attitude leaning over the baluster rail Besides, many other souvenirs cling around the spot, which the sight vividly recalls, and so painfully that he at once turns his eyes away from it, nor again looks back. He has an idea who the woman is, though personally knowing her not, nor ever having seen her. The incident agitates him a little, but he is soon calm again and for some time after sits silent in no dreamy reverie but actively cogitating though not of it or her his thoughts are occupied with the discovery he has made in his exploration just ended an important one bearing on the suspicion he had conceived almost proving it correct of all the facts that came before the coroner and his jury none more impressed them nor perhaps so much influenced their finding as the tale-telling traces upon the face of the cliff nor did they arrive at their conclusion with any undue haste or light deliberation before deciding they had taken boat and from below more minutely inspected them but with their first impression unaltered or only strengthened that the abrasions on the soft sandstone rock were made by a falling body and the bush borne down by the same and what but the body of gwendoline wynne living or dead springing off or pitched over they could not determine hence the ambiguity of their verdict very different the result reached by captain ryecroft after viewing the same in his indian campaigns the ex-cavalry officer belonging to the light had his share of scouting experience it enables him to read sign with the skill of trapper or prairie hunter and on the moment his lamp threw its light against the cliff's face he knew the scratches were not caused by anything that came down since they had been made from below and by some blunt instrument as the blade of a boat oar, then the branches of the juniper soon as getting his eyes close to them he saw they had been broken inward their drooping tops turned toward the cliff not from it a falling body would have bent them in an opposite direction and the fracture been from the upper and inner side everything indicated their having been crushed from below not by the same boat's oar but likely enough by the hands that held it it was on reaching this conclusion that captain ryecroft gave involuntary utterance 
to the exclamatory words heard by him lying flat among the ferns above the last one sending a thrill of fear through his heart and upon it the ex-officer of hussars is still reflecting as he returns upstream since the command given to wingate to row him back he has not spoken not even to make remark about the suggestive thing seen in the summer-house above though the other has observed it also facing that way the waterman has his eyes on it for a longer time but the bearing of the captain admonishes him that he is not to speak till spoken to and he silently tugs at his oars leaving the other to his reflections these are that gwendolyn wynne has been surely assassinated though not by being thrown over the cliff possibly not drowned at all but her body dropped into the water were found conveyed thither after life was extinct the scorning of the rock and the snapping of the twigs all that done to mislead as it had misled everybody but himself to him it has brought conviction that there has been a deed of blood done by the hands of another no accident no suicide murdered he is not questioning the fact nor speculating upon the motive now the last has been already revolved in his mind and is clear as daylight to such a man as he has heard levin murdoch to be an estate worth ten thousand pounds a year would tempt to crime even the capital one which certainly he has committed Rycroft only thinks of how he can prove its committal, bring the deed of guilt home to the guilty one. It may be difficult, impossible, but he will do his best. Embarked in the enterprise, he is considering what will be the best course to pursue, pondering upon it. He is not the man to act rashly at any time, but in a matter of such moment, caution is especially called for he is already on the track of a criminal who has displayed no ordinary cunning as proved by that misguiding sign a false move made or words spoken in careless confidence by exposing his purpose may defeat it for this reason he has hitherto kept his intention to himself not having given a hint of it to any one from jack wingate it cannot be longer withheld nor does he wish to withhold it instead he will take him into his confidence knowing he can do so with safety that the young waterman is no prating fellow he has already had proof while of his loyalty he never doubted first to find out what jack's own thoughts are about the whole thing for since their last being in a boat together on that fatal night little speech has passed between them only a few words on the day of the inquest when captain ryecroft himself was too excited to converse calmly and before the dark suspicion had taken substantial shape in his mind once more opposite the poplar he directs the skiff to be brought to which done he sits just as when that sound startled him on return from the ball apparently thinking of it as in reality he is 
for a minute or so he is silent and one might suppose he listened expecting to hear it again but no he is only as on the way down making note of the distance to the langoran grounds the summer-house he cannot now see but judges the spot where it stands by some tall trees he knows to be beside it the waterman observing him is not surprised when at length asked the question don't you believe wingate the cry came from above i mean from the top of the cliff i'm most sure it did i thought at the time it comed from higher ground still the house itself you remember my saying so captain and that i took it to be some of the servant girls shouting up there i do remember you did it was not alas but their mistress yes she for certain poor young lady we now know that think back jack recall it to your mind the tone the length of time it lasted everything can you i can and do i could all but fancy i hear it now well did it strike you as a cry that would come from one falling over the cliff by accident or otherwise it didn't and i don't yet believe it were accident or no accident no what are your reasons for doubting it why if it had been a woman either fallen over or flung she'd a deed tongue a second time ay a good many times for getting silenced it must have been into the water and people don't drown at the first going down she'd a risk to the surface once if not twice and screech sure we couldn't a helped hearing it ye remember captain twere dead calm for a spell just preceding the thunderstorm when that cry come ye might a heard the leap o a trout a quarter mile off but it warn't repeated not so much as a mutter quite true but what do you conclude from its not having been that she who gave the shriek were in the grasp of somebody when she did it and were silenced instant by being choked or smothered same as they say's done by them scoundrels called garroters you said nothing of this at the inquest no i didn't for several reasons one i were so took by surprise just home and hearing what had happened besides the crowner didn't question me on my feelings only about the facts or the case i answered all his questions clear as i could remember and far as i then understood things but not as i understand them now ah you have learned something since not a thing captain only what i've been thinking o by remembering a circumstance i'd forgot what well whilst i were sitting in the skiff that night waiting for you to come i heard a sound different from the hooting o them owls indeed what sort of sound the splashing o oars there were certain another boat about there besides this one in what direction did you hear them from above it must have been that way if it had been a boat gone up from below i'd a noticed the stroke again across the strip o island but i didn't 
the same if one had passed on down just so and for that reason i now believe it were coming down and stopped somewhere just outside the backwash an item of intelligence new to the captain as it is significant he recalls the hour between two and three o'clock in the morning what boat could have been there but his own and if other what its business you're quite sure there was a boat wingate he asks after a pause the oars o one that i'm quite sure o and where there's smoke fire can't be far off yes captain there were a boat about there i'm willing to swear to it have you any idea whose well no only some conjectures first hearing the oar i wore under the idea that it might be dick dempsey out salmon stealing but at the second plunge i could tell it were no paddle but a pair of regular oars they gave but two or three strokes and then stopped suddenly not as though the boat had been rowed back but brought up against the bank and there laid you don't think it was dick and his coracle then i'm sure it weren't the coracle but ain't so sure about it's not been him stead from what happened that night and's been a happening ever since i believe he wore one of the men in that boat you think there were others i do leastways suspect it and uh, who do you suspect besides for one he must used live up there but's now living in langoran they have long since parted from the place where they made stop opposite the poplar and are now abreast the cuckoo's glen going on it is to glyngog house wingate alludes visible up the ravine the moon gleaming upon its piebald walls and lightless windows for it is untenanted you mean mr murdoch the same captain though he weren't at the ball as i've heard say and might an ode without tellin i've got an idea he been far off when twere breaking up and there were another there too beside dick dempsey a third who he as lives a bit further above you mean the french priest them three ain't often far apart and if i been to strain my reckoning they were mighty close together that same night and nigh langoran court they're all in or about it now the precious tribang and i'd bet big they've got foot in there by the foulest of foul play yes captain sure as we be sittin in this boat she as owned the place ha been murdered the men as done it being levin murdoch dick dempsey and the roman priest or rouge End of chapter 3 Read by Lars Rolander